0: gates of hell don't stand a chance. Wasn't that one of the lines? I like that. Would you take your Bibles, please, or your smartphones, or your tablet, or find a Bible maybe in the chair in front of you. Find Ezra, Old Testament book of Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1, you'll find it after 2 Chronicles and before Nehemiah, if that helps at all. Uh, Feel free to look the number up in the front of the Bible. It'll be okay. Ezra chapter 1, we're going to be reading the verses 1 through 11. Thank you so much to our praise band. Thank you so much for leading us in worship today. It, listen, you have chosen well. First Sunday of the new year, and you have found yourself in the Lord's house. What a great beginning. We're glad to see you today. We know that uh, we've kind of looked back to the past year as a church. We know that uh, God has been faithful. You've been faithful to follow the Lord's direction. I'm thankful for the church. We probably had uh, the greatest attendance we've had in a December, uh, at least in, uh, that we know of uh, as well, and all the services that took place. And we're glad that you're here back in January. Good to see you today. And we're glad that you're here, particularly if you're a guest today. You've already been welcome. You've been greeted. Sometimes you think you're the only guest, but you're not. We have guests every Sunday. And we're glad that you're here today as well. We can say we are honored uh, that you've come be a part of Parkway Baptist Church today. We're at Ezra chapter one. There are eleven verses here in this chapter. We're continuing our trek to the Bible. Kind of a we're on a ten-year trek, kind of going back and forth a little bit. But uh, I've, I've told the church I'm going to meet you in Revelation in 2030. But uh, uh, you just hang on there with us. Even if this is your first Sunday here, you're not uh, here. Come on and join us, not missing out. You're being a part. Every message is a message unto itself. And we're glad that you're here. Ezra chapter one, verse one, this now is the word of God. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you, uh, all of his people, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his... Place with silver and gold, with goods, and with beasts, besides free will offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Verse 5 reads Then rose up the heads of the fathers, houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. And all who were about them aided them with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, and with costly wares, besides all that he has freely offered. Cyrus the king also brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar carried away from Jerusalem, placed in the house of his gods. Cyrus, king of Persia, brought these out of the charge of Mithradoth, the treasurer, who counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. And this was the number of them, 30 basins of gold, 1,000 basins of silver, 29 censers, 30 bowls of gold, 4 and 10 bowls of silver, 1,000 other vessels. All the vessels of gold and silver were 5,400. All these did Sheshbazar bring up when the exiles were brought up from Babylonia to Jerusalem. May the Lord bless the reading of his word today. Well, let me ask you, where's home for you? When somebody asks you where's home, how do you answer that question I've asked people here today that were guests today where's home uh, for them well uh, home at least temporarily while I'm on this earth is Auburn Alabama till the Lord returns unless he deems to go somewhere the place else of course but uh, growing up my growing up years my uh, my dad was either in school or he was in ministry so we moved several times in fact by the time I was a senior in high school I had lived in four different places, three of those around Birmingham. So I guess if we had to talk about where we're from, I might would say Birmingham might be my home. But I can remember on my dad's last move to the last church that he served from one part of the city to the other, I was a senior in high school. And I got to tell you, I had little to do with that move as a senior in high school or looking at the house or anything like that. I guess I was paying more attention in those days to... uh, Uh, Sports and work and uh, church activities and girls. Not necessarily in that order, you understand. So I paid a little attention to that, but the day of the move came, and I just wasn't around. I remember I was not at home. The Movers came in, moved us. In fact, I was working at Hibbett Sporting Goods at the mall. And I remember after I got out of work, it was between 9 and 10 o'clock at night, I remember distinctly getting into my car, driving to the end of the parking lot, coming to the road, and then I realized... I have no idea where I live. I turned around, and these were in the days you understand. Not everybody will know these days. This was BC before cell phones, so I had to go back in, find a phone, called by the house, called the house number. Thank goodness the number had already transferred. Mom, how was the move today? She said, "Oh, it was great, great." I said, "Well, can you tell me something? Where do I live?" She gave me the address, and remember, again, this was BC before cell phones, so uh, we didn't know GPS. said, can you tell me how to get there? So she gave me directions, and I might have even gotten out a map. You know, I need to explain what a map is to some of you, the thing you fold, used to put in your glove compartment, and, and found the place uh, in which I lived. As a senior in high school, I was probably paying more attention to other things, thinking that when the move was coming, well, I'm not going to live there for very long, It was not until later until I kind of realized discovered the importance of things like home and parents and family and things such as this. Well, this morning I want us to allow the Word of God to give us direction for our real home, which is certainly and ultimately to be at home with our Savior in heaven one day for all those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus. And there will be a call today that if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you don't know your heavenly home, uh, is is with him today that you can come and that you can know him as well. But today we wanted to find a spiritual home while we're here on this earth, and that is to be at home with Christ even today, to know that he resides in our hearts, to know that we're walking and that we're able to grow in him. Now this direction, we're going old school today because it won't be just the push of a button. You won't be able to call out Siri or Google and just being able to know the direction today. It's gonna to take some effort today for us to be in the place in which we know that we should be. It's going to be we're going to have to be intentional to this. Now understand, Jesus is the way and the only way, and he has provided the way in which we might be able to know him. But it does take faith and commitment, and it takes uh, uh, being under the strength of the Holy Spirit in order that we might be able to find and be in the place we need to be. We're going to be learning this month from the book of Ezra. Ezra is that book that you may not have ever read or maybe you read it a long time ago. It's only about 10 chapters. You may not know a verse that comes from Ezra, may not be anything that you can remember about. It's only 10 chapters. A couple of these, as you go through, you'll notice there seem to be just names perhaps in lists that are there and significant because they're there. But I would contend that the events that we're reading about today and in Ezra become some of the most important events in history prior to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now I know that's a pretty big order today, but I hope that you pay attention to God's Word today and in the coming weeks. We look at this month of January, and maybe you'll be able to discover, are these events truly some of the most important events in history? Now, some of your Sunday school classes, I know that you're going through, some of you are starting or reading through Genesis and studying in Genesis. Not every class, but many of our classes. And so, you know how it all began. In the beginning, God. Why did God create the world? Why did He create the universe? Let there be no doubt. God created the world, created the universe to bring Him glory. It was not because He was was lonely. It was not because He needed us. He planted a perfect garden and created the first man and the first Woman, But instead of bringing Him glory, they sinned and rebelled against Him. Thus they were banished from the garden, and sin and death entered into God's perfect world. We might not be able to comprehend all the ways in which God has created us in the image of God, but He's created us with choice so that we might be able to have... A unique relationship with the Almighty God. Every man, woman, boy, and girl can have a relationship with the Lord. And as a part of God's plan, God sought out a fellow by the name of Abram. We know him better probably as Abraham. And from Abraham came a small and weak nation to represent him. You know some of the story that they became enslaved to a greater nation, stronger, larger nation, but God liberated them from slavery, brought them out to another garden type land called the Promised Land and they were meant to bring God glory again. God gave them a tabernacle, had a tabernacle that they could build, and a temple, and in that tabernacle, and in that temple, this is the place that God dwelt. The Bible often talks about the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The Spirit of the Lord was there in the temple. It was to represent God in their midst, but again, they rebelled again. They fell miserably, and once again, God banished them from the land of promise to a place called Babylon. But with that promise that there would be a return, another exodus back to the land of promise. And even though they would fail again, the prophets of old told about a new covenant where instead of a tabernacle or a temple where God would dwell, where the Spirit of God would be, but instead the Spirit of God would be in all those who placed their faith in Him. And that there would be a new king, a new David. This one would be the perfect son of God who would come, the great shepherd to care for his people would give new hearts and new life and the supreme sacrifice for our sins. Jesus was born in Bethlehem as a fulfillment of prophecy to give hope and direction and the only way to eternal life and real living. Jesus is the great sacrifice for only he is without sin. And he died in our place and he rose again. He conquered death and gives life to all who come to him in faith. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus said just as he has ascended into the heavens, just ascended the clouds to heaven, he will come again. In the meantime, the spirit of Jesus is living in all those who know and love him. He has promised to come again. He's going to right all wrongs. He's going to end all wars. He's promised a new heaven and a new earth. And we were created and saved for his glory with the task of telling others the good news. And if you know Jesus, one day your home will be to experience the glory of heaven and to be with Jesus forever. The new garden where you were meant to be. But for now, your spiritual dwelling place is walking with Jesus. Living, living listening, worshiping, and serving Him. Let's be sure today, on this first Sunday of 2024, let's be sure today that we are there, that we're where we need to be or that we are ready and get directions for being at home with Jesus. We are living today in one part of history. It's between the ascension of Jesus and the second return, the the return of Jesus. We're living in that time and we're studying about another time in history, the time after the Israelites had been exiled from the promised land to Babylon. In Ezra chapter 1, God is making preparations for Israel's return from Babylon back to the promised land. I think we can probably make some application here today because even though I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, I believe that now today that the Lord is preparing us so that we might be prepared to return, be at home with Jesus, and that the return of Jesus will be coming. Now I think He's been preparing us ever since the ascension of Jesus. But if you're going to follow God's directions, you need to know this. God has a plan and a purpose. You've got some notes there, perhaps when you came in today or there on the screen, but God has a plan and a purpose, and you can be sure that God has never been caught off guard. He's never been surprised. This uh, short version of the history of the world and the future of the world, it's not some made-up plan that Jesus suddenly came up with or something he came up with off the cuff. Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, this is not plan B because the first plan did, did not work out. You can be sure today, it's beyond our full understanding for the human mind, but God's plan and God's purpose is already in the works and it does not change. We can trust him. God has a plan for Israel when they failed and for when he would bring them back to the promised land from Babylon, and he has a plan for you and me, and we're going to discover some of that today. Now, in order for us to be able to understand some of the plan for Israel, return from Babylon to back to the promised land, and what we're reading in Ezra chapter 1, I'm going to give you three dates, and uh, these will not be on the test later, so, but you might just to help us be able to understand that. But one of those dates is 597 B.C., 597 BC, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, conquered Jerusalem and began the exile of taking the Israelites from Jerusalem and the land of Judah, 900 miles away to the land of Babylon. The full exile did not happen all at once. It took several years. And there were some Israelites who were left in the land. Now, if you've got your actual Bible open in Ezra chapter 1, you probably could just look a little bit to the left and you'd see the last chapter in 2 Chronicles Second Chronicles chapter 36, verses 9 and 10 says this. It tells about that. It says, Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king. Jehoiakim was the last of the legitimate kings who were the descendants of David. And he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. In the spring of that year, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the precious vessels of the house of the Lord. <clears throat> and made his brother Zedekiah king over Judah and Jerusalem. That was 597 B.C. Another date is 538 B.C. Remember the in B.C. They, the dates are getting uh, smaller. Yeah, we're getting closer to before Christ. Cyrus, the king of Persia, conquered Babylon, thus began the return. We'll talk more about Cyrus in just a moment, but Cyrus and the Persians conquered and took over Babylon, and he made a decree that all the Israelites, who wanted could go back to their homeland and rebuild the temple. And only a small percentage were willing, as we'll see, but lots of speculation as to why Cyrus would allow the people to leave the land of Babylon that he just conquered and send them back to their homeland. But make no mistake, regardless of why we think or maybe would not be able to understand it, God made it so. He told Cyrus to do it. Does that mean that Cyrus was a God worshiper? Well, don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about that very thing. And then another date, or a couple of dates here, I guess, 587 to 516. The Israelites would be officially in exile for 70 years, from the destruction of the temple to the completion of the new temple, although it started before and the return continued for years later. Now, uh maybe dates in Bible history, maybe it's not necessarily your thing, but i just tell you this to remind us that God has a plan for what he's doing. Let me give you a couple of more verses that may help us to know that God has a plan. One of these you know very well, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. you recognize that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Well, these are the, What you give to graduates, maybe. Something with a plaque on it that says this. You've got a t-shirt that says it. For some of you, it may be your, your favorite verse. And it certainly reminds us that God always has a plan and he's always working for our good. Do you know the verse right before that, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 10? It says this. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Did you know that your favorite verse was a fulfillment and talking about the very things and these events happening in Ezra 1? Well, also to help us to be able to understand, there are three returns from exile, returning to, uh, uh, back to the promised land. First return, it's in uh, rebuild the temple led by Zerubbabel. It's what we're reading about here in Ezra 1. Second return was to reform the people after the temple had been built. The people needed reform led by Ezra. Ezra doesn't show up until chapter 7 even though we believe that he wrote all of this book as well as some others. Third return, he was to, was to rebuild the wall and this was uh, led by Nehemiah in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, and up until about the third century A.D., Ezra and Nehemiah were one book under the title of Ezra. But the ones who were willing to make the journey back to Jerusalem are to be commended for putting first things first. They wanted to build a temple so that they might be able to worship God in the way in which God had intended. Yes, God has a plan and a purpose. And you have an important part in His plan. You have an important part in His plan. God's plan includes you and all who place their faith in Jesus and are willing to follow Him. Listen, we're going to continue to be people of the book, so we're going to follow real closely in our verses. Look at verse 3, Ezra chapter 1 and verse 3. We read it a moment ago. And it says, Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Cyrus, king of Persia, is giving this proclamation that all who are willing to go home can go home. It's been 70 years, give or take. You would think this is a freedom day, Uh, like when the Israelites were uh, coming out of Egypt or any time or elsewhere that people have been emancipated. But only a few are willing to go. Look at verse 5. Ezra chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, Then rose up the heads of the fathers, houses of Judah and Benjamin, And the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. So many of the fathers of the families of two of the tribes, of Judah and of Benjamin, and some of the priests and the Levites were ready to go. Now notice the phrase, everyone whose spirit God had stirred. Certainly reminding us that God takes the initiative to come and call and stir our hearts. Now, if you look into Ezra chapter 2, you probably could see all the names of the, many of the families who are ready to make the journey home and complete the task that God has for them. There were an estimated 2 to 3 million Israelites in Babylon at this time. If you read through chapter 2, you'll find that less than 50,000 went back to Israel on the first return. Why do you think that would be? Well, after 70 years, maybe some had just they made themselves at home there in Babylon. They were more comfortable there. They would rather stay in a place of comfort rather than follow God in the things that they needed to do. Uh, may God prepare hearts to be ready to follow Him as well. God had called them, though, to live in the promised land and for worship. Even though they were God's people, they were not all willing and they were not all ready. For Babylon, like Egypt had become synonymous with worldliness. Well, today, how hard it is to leave the things of this world and to follow and to pursue the things of God. You can be sure that God has an important part for you and in his plan, not because he needs you, but because God is a God of grace and love. He's chosen to include us in his great plan. May God prepare our hearts even now on this first Sunday of the new year to stay and to walk with him or to return to him so that we might have the privilege to join God in his great work. Are you ready for some direction? How about this? God has a promise and a message for you. God has a promise and a message for you. His word does not change. Now, God has already given the Israelites lots of promises until this time. There been many covenants uh, that he had made with the Israelites. Some of those were conditional upon their faithfulness. Some of those were not conditional. We read in Jeremiah that God had said after 70 years, the Israelites would return. At times, it had to seem impossible that it would take place in 70 years or it would take place at this time. But notice again, Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Boy, take a take a closer look just at that last phrase, if you would. because I want you to see here, it, it may not be as clear as I'd like for it to be here, but the word of God is saying that the word of God is the word of God. Should I say it again? The word of God is saying that the word of God is the word of God. So we're reading from Ezra, it's the word of God, talking about Jeremiah, the prophet, and he's in scripture, he is the word of God, and saying that what he spoke is the word of God of the Lord. It's kind of like what 2 Timothy chapter 3:16 says, which also is the word of God. It says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. Now, do you believe that God has a promise and do you believe that God has a message? Well, where would we find that? Uh, we would find it in the word of God. We would find it in the Bible. We're we're people of the book. In fact, every January, we normally have a book or a section of scripture in which we kind of emphasize, maybe to set the pace for the rest of the year, that we're going to be people of the book. Guess what our book is for January this year? Ezra. Yeah. And so we encourage, it's only 10 chapters, but we encourage you to read Ezra and to be, we want you to be reading God's word often. We want you to be feeding yourself as you read God's Word. Don't wait just to be spoon-fed, but be reading God's Word. And here's a, Ezra will be our emphasis for January. Sometime in February, we'll start another 100 days of Bible reading that you can be a part, or use your own Bible reading to be okay. Again, in Ezra 1.1, 1, 1, notice in the middle of that, verse it says, "...the Lord stood, stirred up the spirit of Cyrus." Let's make a big deal about the Lord taking the initiative to stir up Cyrus to make this proclamation. The Lord is using these events and he's fulfilling his promise to prompt the Israelites to begin one of the most important events in the history of the world prior to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What makes this one of the most important events? Was uh, was Cyrus a worshiper of Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, the one and only. Uh, don't go anywhere. Don't doze off now. Listen, don't go anywhere. You want, we want to be able to find from God's word and we we'll answer be these questions. Now, each individual would have to make their own choice to follow and to go home and to worship. But it had corporate and national implications. So let's look at the corporate body of, the, of Christ. The church has an important part in his promise. Church has an important part to play and a role to fulfill. We are, church, we are God's choice to sharing the good news of the gospel around the world. We are God's choice to show His grace and love to others. His church will continue, the scripture says. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Uh, Now, individual churches falter all the time. Churches close their doors probably more often than you would ever believe even in uh, North America. But the church, the body of Christ, will continue till Christ returns. Can I tell you, I love God's church. I love God's people. love being around God's people and the work of the church. I love being in the church. I mean, in the building of the church. I, leave to, I love being in the place where Jesus' stuff takes place. Now recognizing the church is not the brick and mortar. This is the staging area in which we come together on Sunday so that we might go out and be the church and do the work of the church and be in the world in which God has called us to serve. Now, some people, when they're called by God, when they come into the family of God, some people are called to go someplace, to go and do something. Missionaries are called, or you're called sometimes to go leave that job and go to another job, to pastor here or to preach there or to serve wherever God has called you. Then there are other people, some people, maybe the vast majority, are called to stay right where they are, to be in the place in which God has called them and to make the difference right where they were. In fact, you might remember last week, Kyle brought us to the well just outside of Sychar city in Samaria. And there we met the woman at the well. And when the woman at the well came to know Jesus, she was found back in her city in the place that God had called her to be so that she might make the difference and more people might come to know Jesus. You might remember Legion, the one who had many demons. He wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, no, you stay right here. You tell people your story. And vast number of others who are called to do God's work right where they are. Well, God's called you to follow him. So you want to decide that you're going to follow him, whether it is for God to call you someplace, make some changes, make some job changes, location changes, certainly a heart change every time God calls us, or for God to allow you to serve exactly right where you are according to his will. For the Israelites, most are going to stay where they've been for 70 years, in exile, away from God. Now we know that not every Jewish person that was in exile was away from God you recognize any of these names? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Esther, many of the prophets that God used even while they were in exile. Well, don't you think that those who were in, at home with God, that those who were continuing to follow God and be faithful to Him, don't you think that when God said, let's go, boy, they were ready to go? Sure they were. Others were having to make that difficult decision of going back to a homeland that many could not even remember, a place that they had never been, or to leave a comfortable place to perhaps where worldliness reigned. But, but the calling and the mission was clear. So sometimes we're not able to go because the calling or the mission is not clear. Oh, stay with me here because I don't want you to miss this. Look at verse 2. Kind of the last part of verse 2. Again, we're staying really close to the word, but last part of verse 2, Cyrus is talking and he says, He has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem. Then notice verse 3. Kind of middle of that, he said, To rebuild the house, he is the God who is in Jerusalem. And then in verse 4, it says, Let each survivor be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Now notice there's a theme going here, but notice the word survivor in verse 4 before we go any further. Because that's what they were considered. If they had come, they'd survived the destruction of Jerusalem, they've come, they're surviving in exile, and they're kind of living there, and they're called survivors. Now, if you're on a show called survivor, maybe you want to continue to be the survivor, I don't know. But in this case, the Lord has called us to be more than Survivors. You know, there are many people who have given their heart to Jesus. They know that they're going to heaven, but they continue to just survive. But you know what the New Testament calls us, particularly in Revelation? We're overcomers, we're conquerors, we're much more than survivors. But notice also, okay, verse 5 everyone whose spirit has stirred to go to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. Then notice verse 7. You notice the theme here. Cyrus, the king, also brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem. I've got all this listed because I want you to see. Was it clear what the mission was? It was clear. Now go back to Jerusalem to be able to build the temple. Is your mission clear? Why do you need to stick with Jesus? Why do you want to be a follower of his? Why would you even come and be a part of the church. Why do we exist as a church? Oh, if you don't know, don't leave here. Pay attention. Wake back up because I want you to know why we do this. We have one purpose, church, and one mission. Our purpose to exalt and glorify the name of Jesus. We have one mission. It's the Great Commission. It is that we want to lead people into growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. Why would we come together for worship? It's so that we might exalt and glorify the name of Jesus and lead other people in a growing relationship with Jesus. Why would we do discipleship and discipling? Why do we want to grow in Christ, individually help others? It's so that we might glorify the name of Jesus and see other people growing and walking with Jesus. Why would we have uh, committees? We don't call them committees. We call them teams, but we know what they are. But why would, we, why would you ever want to be on one? So that you might exalt the name of Jesus and so that you might lead other people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Why would you want to go out and do ministry? Many, many ministries we have of Parkway Baptist Church. Why would you want to be a part of any of those? So that you might be able to exalt, glorify the name of Jesus so that you might lead more people in a growing relationship with Jesus. Why would we want to have fellowships? come together and fellowship together. It's because we're hungry and we really like to eat. No, it's so that you might honor and glorify the name of Jesus and so that you might lead more people. It's why we exist. It's clear in the chapter, in Ezra chapter 1 what their mission was. May it be clear in all the things that we do, but let's talk a little bit further. How about Parkway? Our vision statement, make it, it is to love God, love Auburn, love the nations. Love God. It's the greatest commandment. We're to love Auburn, love our neighbor, not necessarily the orange and blue, you understand. It's okay if you do, but we're, we want to love people where we're planted and love the nations because we're called to go beyond our own neighborhoods. And the Bible tells us where to go into all the world. Parkway's five and 10-year mission plan that we started 2021, actually, we're really probably in the third year of our 10-year mission plan. We use these words, new people, new life, and next steps. We want to reach new people with new life found in Jesus and offer them the next steps in following him. We have a theme verse. It's John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's get a little closer. We're here. It's the first Sunday of the new year. Why not? How about some plans and objectives for 2024? Now these are listed more from the mundane to the more important. If you've come here for the second service or even been late to the first service, you know we have a parking problem. So this year we're going to work on our parking problem and as well as uh, building expansion, provide more classrooms. We just get, boy, we could say a lot about each one of these. Remember, these are beginning with the mundane, moving to the most. We got, we keep an ongoing list of building improvements. I hope that you've noticed the last couple of years some of the building improvements, and uh, guess what? We don't even see the end we just we will take care of the lord's house. Also this is the year of prayer for the use of God's resources and involvement in planting churches. We recognize back in 2020 we believe we need to be involved in planting more churches. Planting a church or more we've been involved with others who are planting churches and sometimes in our mission work but we believe we're part of kingdom work. Now, whether that's in Auburn, whether that's in another country, or whether it's in another state or another city, we don't know. We're going to be praying about that this year and using the resources. We just finished our three-year faith campaign. The God was faithful. We give him all the credit, but God used you to go beyond our goal. And so we have resources now. We, We have not only monetary resources, but we've got people. We've got ministries. We've got gifts. We've got talents, and we... By the time we, first Sunday in January of the new year, we hope to be standing here. We know some things we're going to be doing. But we hope to stand here and say, this is what we're going to be doing for the next five, six years and beyond. This is, these are the things we're going to be involved in. But I believe the Lord has called us to a time of prayer so we have a vision of people. Oh, I could talk more about this. We don't have time. But we need. We, we have people who are praying now. We have people now praying every day for the church. Day does not go by that I know somebody or they tell me that they're praying for the church we have prayer that's taking place, people intercessory prayer while services are going on. We want more of that to take place. I believe we want it even to increase to where we have somebody or maybe many people that they'll say at least one day a month, I'm gonna pray one hour for the church. And every day we have somebody pray, either in our prayer room here in the sanctuary or at home, wherever they might be able to find themselves. For us to be able to make the next move is gonna take prayer and equip more workers and equip more workers so we've got everybody. Listen, it's going to be part of Parkway Baptist Church. It's, it's just going to be part of our DNA. I'm a part of Parkway, so I'm going to try to share my faith with somebody this week, this month, this year, and I'm, I'm, on, and I'm not here just to sit. I'm going to be involved. So, so that's the vision of what we see here. Mentoring, discipling, that's happening, we're going to see more of that. And notice the last part, maybe the most important. We like to see more people come to know Jesus. 10% of average attendants come to Christ through Parkway Ministries. We saw 50 people this past year pray to receive Jesus or be baptized through the ministries of Parkway Baptist Church that we know of. We want that to continue to increase. We have just set a time based on maybe our number of average attendants. So if we want further direction know this, that God always provides and prepares. In other words, if these are the things the Lord wants us to do, he'll provide for that. He'll prepare for that. We've already established that God has a plan and a promise. So if you want direction, get on his plan. Believe in his promise. Be convinced also that God prepares ahead of time and he always equips and provides everything that's needed. Can, I, can we talk about how that is in these, Ezra chapter 1? Here's a prophecy about Ezra chapter one found in Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 28. Isaiah the prophet, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, he shall fulfill all my purpose, purpose saying of Jerusalem, she shall be built and of the temple your foundation shall be laid. Remember Cyrus, we're talking about him in Ezra chapter one. Isaiah said this, wrote it 150 years before these events, ever took place. Cyrus's name was written in the book before he was ever born that he'd be part of sending God's people back to Israel. Boy, was there ever a prophecy like this? You know, there's something like this in the Bible? Come on, it's January 7th. We just had Christmas a little while ago. If the angel can tell Mary and Joseph that there would be one who would be born and his name would be Jesus and he would be the Savior of the world and it be true then he certainly can give the name of the king who will send the exiled Israelites back to the promised land to rebuild the temple so that genuine worship can take place. Anybody get goosebumps? You okay? Josephus, first century historian. Josephus, as far as I know, not a follower of Jesus, lived in the first century, about the time or after Jesus had been on the earth. And he writes that Cyrus was shown the prophecy of Isaiah forty-four twenty-eight 28 at some point. Could you imagine Cyrus reading this and say, "Wait, there's my name written before I was born." Wait, there's more. Uh, in the early 1800s, there was a archaeological discovery in Iraq. Oh, I love archaeological discoveries. If you don't, okay, it's just gonna take a minute or two for us to talk about it. Archaeological discovery in Iraq in the in the place where Baghdad is, where ancient Mesopotamia was, where uh, Babylon was. They came and they. Discovered this what is now called the Cyrus Cylinder and it's sitting now in the British Museum. It dates back to the 6th century B.C. and there's writing all over it. it. Tells about the Persian invasion of Babylon as told in the Old Testament and it gives proclamations about the conquered people being able to go back to their homeland and being able to worship their gods. Now, they tell you, it doesn't mention Yahweh. It doesn't mention the Israelites. It mentions many other Peoples as well, but it doesn't mention all people. In fact, it mentions other gods, such as it mentions the god Marduk, the god of the Babylon, who gave him all the land. Cyrus says, Marduk gave me all the lands and all the earth as his own, and he is God. Many other gods are mentioned in similar fashion. Cyrus seems to claim all gods as his, and all gods gave him the land that he has conquered. Our conclusion is Cyrus is not a worshiper of the one true God, but God used Cyrus, the Persian king, and his false ways to get the Israelites where they needed to be in the same way that he used a Roman Caesar by the name of Augustus to get Mary and Joseph to be taxed in Bethlehem. And you can also be sure that he is using the events today, whatever's happening in your life personally, whatever's happening in the world today, to get you and I and to get his church in the place that we need to be so that we might be able to be a part of the place and the position to be used by God. God provides and He prepares. Notice uh, Ezra chapter 1 and verse 4. It's going to be on your screen. This is the way it says in the Christian Standard Bible. It says, Let every survivor, we remember that word, where he resides, be assisted by the men of that region with silver, gold, goods, and livestock, along with a free will offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. You remember when the Israelites left Egypt you might remember that as they left Egypt, all the Egyptians people gave them all of their plunder, all of their goods. They were willingly gave it all away as long as Israelites left. Weird seems to be that all those who are going back, there are 2 to 3 million Jewish people that were living in Babylon. Israelites living in Babylon at that time. Less than 50,000, but all those who are left, they're giving things as well as the Babylonian people or giving of their possessions for the rebuilding of the temple, God doth provide. Well, I want to stress this a little bit more. Can we glance into chapter 2? Look at chapter 2 and verse 1. Ezra chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Now these were the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles who Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried captive to Babylonia. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town." Skip way down in that same chapter to verse 68. Verse 68 says, Some of the heads of the families, when they came to the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem, made freewill offerings for the house of God to erect it on its site. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury of the work. I want to point this out because before they left... People had given stuff so that they might be... Those who weren't going were giving them stuff. God was providing. Even people from Babylon were giving. The king was given All the things had been taken out of the temple. And then once they get there, heads of the families, they decide, oh, we're going to give too. Because this is what happens. Once we realize and recognize the Lord is at work, we want to get in on it. When God is doing a good work, your desire will be to join in his kingdom work. To join in his kingdom work. Boy, did you know the story before? Ezra chapter 1 becomes one of the most important events in human history. One of the most important events in Jewish history and your history. Because prior to this, when the Israelites had been taken to Babylon, they were, the Israelites were virtually vanquished. There was nobody there. But now God was at work in order to bring the people back. 500 years prior to to the birth of Jesus so that the events, the most important events in history could take place in the place and the position in which God had deemed necessary. Thus, reading this Ezra chapter 1, it could be one of the most important days this year for you. It could be one of the most important days this decade, this Reading Ezra chapter 1 could be one of the most important days in your history if today that you decide to give your heart and life to Jesus because you know that we serve a God that loves and cares and provides for each one of us. It also could be a most important day for you even if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus and today you've decided that you're going to put the first things first. That you're going to follow God the way and the direction. You're going to come back home so that you might be able to worship. You make the worship a priority in your life, and your family's life, so that on Sundays you're going to find your place with you and your family worshiping God for the rest of this year, if not the rest of your life, that Sunday's going to be a priority that you're going to be worshiping Him because you know it's important. But not only that, you're going to be worshiping God every day in your own personal quiet times as you spend time listening to God through reading His Word and praying to Him. And not only that, that you will do that with your family And not only that, that you'll make all of your actions and your attitudes, that you'll make it an action, a worship, and an act of worship wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Okay, we look just a little bit ahead. Ezra chapter 3 and verse 1 says, When the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man in Jerusalem. Look at verse 3. They set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the people of the lands. They offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. They decided on the place that they were going to build the temple, they put first things first. Let's first build an altar to the Lord. The Bible talks about us building a temple and it talks about us building when we build a temple in two ways in the New Testament. One, our bodies are a temple. We house the Holy Spirit. But also it talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 that the body of Christ, we are like living stones being built up into a spiritual house. Listen, we're called to do the same thing We're building upon God's temple as we worship and serve Him. The same thing they were called to do, we're called to do today, come back to God so that we might be a part of the building of the temple of God's house so that more people might be able to know Jesus and might be able to grow in Him. Verse 10, Ezra 3 says this, And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priest and their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord according to the direction of David, king of Israel. Let's lay the the foundation. Chapter chapter 3, verse 10. Just ask you, let's lay the foundation today. Who's the foundation? It's Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. And Jesus calls you to worship Him and to serve Him. And He gives directions for coming home, which include worshiping and serving. Now your journey may not always be easy. <laughs> Was not for the Israelites nine hundred miles from uh, Babylon to Jerusalem. When they got there, they faced discouragements and frustrations. At one time, they stopped building. Then they started building again. And then they fell into sin. They had to be admonished. Your journey may not always be easy. Sometimes you're going to face discouragement. Sometimes you're going <clears> to <throat> face opposition. There'll be at times that it seem like the work is going to be stopped or that has stopped, and sometimes you'll fall back into sin and you'll need to be admonished. But for you who make the journey home, there is joy. God's plan is for joy for those who are a part of God's work. I can't leave this out because when they laid the foundation, there was a psalmist, the psalm wrote, Psalm 126, verses 1 through 3. It's about these very events. It says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Oh, to be people, be like people who dream. Can we, can we be like people who have a vision that our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing? Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. I'm telling you, may not always be easy, but if you come back home, be at home with jesus and you'll walk with him worship him and serve him you'll be glad let's pray together father god we thank you for this time that we can come and worship you thank you for the songs have been sung we thank you that we can pray with confidence today we pray father that we might be reminded from this old testament book of ezra of the plans that god has the plan that God had certainly for Jesus to be born and to die on the cross and rise again, the plan that God has for us to continue that we might grow in Christ and be the church of the living God so that we might be able to share with others. We thank you that Jesus is coming again. We want to be a part of God's plan. Father, call us to yourself today. Keep us in your stead. Help us, Father, to, to be able to know the direction you'd have us to go. Give us the true and clear vision for our church and for our lives. Father, we pray today if there's one or more here that do not know you as Lord and Savior, cannot say where their home is today, their heavenly home, or that they're home with you. Father, may they call upon Jesus, asking Christ to forgive them, asking Jesus to be Savior and Lord. We lift up these prayers in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Would you please stand? As we sing our song of commitment, we encourage you to make your commitment to the Lord. I don't know about a New Year's resolution, but a commitment that this year that you want to follow him and be at home with him, altar altars open if you'd like to come and just maybe spend just a moment and say, Lord, I want to I give everything over to you, and I want to follow you and stay with you today. If you need to come and talk with one of us, several of our ministers will be down here at the front. If you'd like to come and talk with one of us about joining the church, about baptism, about matters of faith, you come, we'll tell you the next steps from there. As we sing together, you come.